Thank you, Nick. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, Harvest. My name is Jamie Hart, and as has already been said, I'm the senior pastor, church planner of Harvest Bible Chapel, Fort Wayne. Nope, nope, nope. Try it again. Uh, I am the senior pastor, church planner of Harvest Bible Chapel, Fort Wayne. Yes, sir. Honored and glorified to be that. It's um, a good thing to be with you this morning. I'm a Love your pastors. Got to say that right off the bat, Pastor Doug. Uh, we go back before uh, our harvest days when we were both in the biblical counseling world together. I was actually trained by uh, your pastor and how to be a biblical counselor. And um, I love Pastor Doug dearly. Uh, what a man of God you guys have serving with you. You're blessed with that. And uh, honored to be with you this morning. It's really an honor to be in any harvest church. I, for a long time, have resonated with the teaching and the passion of Pastor James McDonald. And Really counted an amazing gift to be a Harvest Senior Pastor at all and be planning Harvest Fort Wayne. That's something I genuinely feel unworthy of, certainly unqualified for, and grossly inadequate to perform with anything that I bring to the table. But my God is good. You guys need to wake up this morning, yo. Let's try that again. But my God is good. And when I am inadequate, my God is more than adequate. And what I lack in any kind of skill, my God can make up for in favor. And though I am certainly unworthy, through the blood of Jesus Christ, I have obtained an un uh, unmerited grace and unmerited favor. And uh, so I stand in him and him alone. And so when Jesus said to go and plant a harvest church, we simply obeyed and we went. Now, listen, I had been already pastoring for more than 15 years before coming to Harvest. I was eight years a youth pastor and seven years a senior pastor. And um, if you've been in ministry for some time, you kind of hope to get to know yourself pretty well. And I thought, I thought I knew myself. Well, I have discovered something along the way of planting this church, and that is I didn't know myself nearly as well as I thought. And some areas where perhaps I would say in some um, self-confidence that I was strong in, I've really discovered I'm very, very weak in. I may have said to you before planting a, a church that I had a decent amount of faith. I mean, there were times when my family and I picked up and left everything we knew and went to start a new ministry or something new. And in fact, we did that recently, about seven, eight years ago, when we came to Elkhart, Indiana, and I was a senior pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church, there were, you know, just a handful of people left, and, you know, we thought we were stepping out in faith, and I would have said maybe with a smidge of self-confidence that I had a decent amount of faith, but as I've stepped out to plant this church, I've really realized something about myself, and that is, I am a man who really struggles with fear and worry, really struggles with fear. I hope that, um, it's okay to be transparent with you guys this morning. Is that all right? Can we do that? Do you guys do that here at Harvest Indy West? It's the only way. You got to be real with one another. You got to be honest and open. And we all struggle. We all struggle. In fact, I'm going to say Lottie Dottie. I want you to say everybody. That's kind of a thing. And I kind of like that. It makes me feel like you're still awake and with me. All right. So I'll say Lottie Dottie. You say everybody. Ready to practice? Lottie Dottie. Nailed it. I'll do that a couple times. Be on your toes. Okay. You got to stay awake for the message this morning. Uh, but Lottie Dottie struggles, and I find myself, found myself really struggling with fear. And I didn't really understand before. I never really got how people would struggle with fear and worry. Didn't understand people who worried or experienced crippling fear, but I can tell you today I get it. I get it now. 
I mean, look, there are huge obstacles to overcome. I mean, first of all, we went into Harvest not really knowing where we would go. I just really resonated with the mission of Harvest to make disciples and to glorify God. I resonated with the four pillars of Harvest Church, and I really said, you know, I want to do this. I want to be uh, in the Harvest Movement. If it means I've got to be a janitor to start out with, I'll do it. And they graciously allowed me to be a senior pastor, but I didn't know where we were going. So we just kind of stepped out and moved to Elgin, and we weren't sure where the Lord would send us. That's fairly scary, especially considering I have a young family, and you can see most of my family over here. They're the redheads because God loves me and gave me uh, three redheaded children and a beautiful redheaded wife, and all God's people said, that's right, you got it, praise the Lord. Um, we didn't know. So we just stepped out in faith and said, hey, Lord, wherever you want to send, that's, that's a little scary. Finally, uh, one day, Pastor James just said, you know what, just go to Fort Wayne. So we went to Fort Wayne, and um, when we went, there was nobody there. We didn't have a core team waiting for us. There wasn't a group of people that were there to support us and help us along. We had to literally start with nobody, and that's a little scary. On top of that, by May, we had to have a group of people gathered together and contributing financially because by May, Big Harvest was done paying us. And it's the core team's job to take that over. And that's really scary. <laughs> Not sure if you're going to get a group together, if they're going to be giving, and you're going to be able to survive. So all those things are very scary. And I wish that I could stand here this morning and tell you that I met all of those fears and all those anxieties with, with, with undaunted faith. But in reality, I didn't. There were some real times of struggle with fear and worry, and I share all that with you to say this message this morning is very personal. It's something I had to dig into, and I had to walk through in my life, and I just want to share with you some of the things that God taught me through this time. Now, if we were to be honest about um, how we view worry, I'm not sure that we would be honest and say that we think it's all sin. I mean... Is it really sin? Is, is that what really what worry is? Is it really I mean, adultery, we know adultery is sin, right? No question about that. A pornography, absolutely, that's sinful. Lying, yeah, that's sinful. Stealing, sure, but worry and fear? I mean, seriously, is that like sin? Sin, is that really sin? And I want to tell you this morning, the word of God says absolutely yes. Worry and doubting and fear are sinful. And if I'm going to rank them, I'm really not going to put worry and fear down here. I want you to see today that worry and fear is really a very serious sin. It's common, very common. Lottie Dottie struggles at some point with fear and worry. In fact, if you just Google medications for worry, you're going to come up with a very long list. Paxil, Zoloft, Prozac, Wellbutrin, Cymbalta, the list goes on. Medications to help calm a troubled heart. Now listen, I'm not saying that if you're taking those things that you're in sin, you need to run home and dump those things in the toilet. I'm not saying that to you this morning. But I'm just trying to illustrate that as people, worry and fear is common. Are you with me on that? Do you believe you agree with me? Have you struggled with the sin of fear and worry? Um, some of the things, if we're going to be honest about the burdens that we carry, um, some of the burdens we carry are, are just kind of silly. You know, they're just kind of goofy to be carrying and worrying about. Um, I've got to tread lightly here and be careful about this, but uh, 
I know Peyton's gone, okay? I know that. He's with the Broncos now, and uh, if, uh, if the Colts this season have you staying up at night, fearful and worried, can I just love you enough to say that's a little silly, unless you have money writing on the game, and then talk to your pastor, because he needs to know that for sure. But some of the stuff, some of the stuff we worry about is pretty, pretty silly to worry about. Um, and looks kind of goofy when we wear it, but uh, some of the stuff is, you know, pretty legitimate uh, worry, pretty legitimate things to struggle through. Some of you guys are daily kind of worried about your job. Some of you are just kind of daily worried about making ends meet or about relationships in your family. I think we all kind of carry those kinds of burdens. But then there are some of you in here this morning this is my backpack. I have um, a laptop, iPad, several small children uh, packed away in this thing. Heavy, heavy. Some of you are really carrying some serious burdens. Maybe the financial weight is not a, just worrying about making ends meet. You have no idea how it's all going to pan out. You can't see the end of this financial burden. Things that help your children and your wife and your family difficulties. And some of you are carrying some real heavy, heavy burdens. I want to tell you this morning, my heart goes out to you. As a pastor, I'd like nothing more than to put my arm around you and to pray for you and to remind you that God is good and God is loving and God will help you through this. Because sometimes you just need to hear that. So you might not want to hear me pound the, I guess not pulpit, but music stand this morning uh, about worry. Uh, but I just want to help you with some truth. I want to dig into the word of God, and I want to get to the bottom of what he has to say about worry. Because here's the joy. No matter what burden you're carrying this morning, our God has the answer for that burden. And I want to remind you this morning that you serve a loving God who is a mighty, powerful God. We just sang about how he's victorious. Our God is victorious over all of our sin. And if you're finding yourself struggling with worry today, my prayer today is that you will find some solutions to help you uh, get through this worry issue. So let's do this. Let's dive into the word of God. Um, here's my sermon in a sentence. If you want to just kind of summarize where I'm headed this morning, it's this. Uh, I must make war against my worry. I must make war against my worry. You're struggling for worry. I want to challenge you to make war against it. Now, look, because we put worry down here, we tend to not get very serious about attacking worry. I mean, if you were passionate about living for the Lord and you discovered yourselves in one of these life-binding sins, you're really going to work hard to conquer it, but sometimes we just take worry too lightly. And I want to challenge you, let's up it a notch. Let's get intense. At Harvest, we say urgency. Let's get a sense of urgency about obeying God in this area of worry. And to do that, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. Now, this is a beautiful text of Scripture. Let me give you some background as to what's happening here. Uh, if you have a red-letter Bible, you're going to notice these words are in red. And that's because Jesus is preaching. Jesus is preaching. 
This is Jesus Christ delivering a sermon. How would you love to sit this morning at the feet of Jesus Christ and be taught by him? One day we will in heaven sit at his feet and worship him face to face. Looking forward to that day? I certainly am. Jesus is preaching a message. And if you want to put Jesus' sermon into one sentence, like I just did, you want to put kind of a nail in Jesus' message, it'd be this. Uh, This is life lived as if Jesus were king. Life lived with Jesus as king of our life. So what does it look like to live it if Jesus is truly, truly king? And how about worry in the light of Jesus being king? So what we're going to do is open up the word of God. I'm going to read starting in verse 25. You follow along and listen to this message about Jesus as king and what that means when it comes to worry. I'm going to read all the way down to the end of the chapter. So start in verse 25. Follow along. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious or do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Now watch this. And your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Today I want to give you some steps to waging the war on worry. Let's not be passive about this sin. Let's attack it with urgency. So first of all, take this step. Understand the source of worry. Understand the source of worry. You have a note page in your bulletin. I'd encourage you to take notes as we go along. Just helps you remember a few things. So uh, understand the source of worry. Hey, um, I'm from Elkhart right now, and uh, we've had something you haven't had uh, lately. We've had some rain, and uh, we were through a long time of drought as well, and uh, the rain started to fall a couple of weeks ago, actually, and um, what's the first thing to grow when the rain starts to fall? Your grass? No, it's the, the weeds. Okay, so now I'm finding myself pulling weeds again, and if we're going to pull a weed up, we have to be sure to get it by the, by the root. You grab it and just yank the leaves off, that weed is coming back. Or grab it by the root. We often attack sin on a behavior level. Focus in here a moment. We often attack sin on a behavior level. And we try to stop doing this and start doing this, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to stop worrying, and we're taking this kind of intense self-discipline, military, hua-hua kind of approach to getting over our sin, and we're attacking the fruit, and we're not attacking the root. We have to get to the source, and worry is a heart issue. It's a heart issue, so we'll talk more about that as we go along. 
So we're going to get down to the root of our worry. So we're going to dive in the text to do that. Do you notice how Jesus starts this portion of his message in verse 25? He says, therefore I tell you, therefore I tell you. Um, Sir, what's your name? Yeah, you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mark. Okay. Mark, if I came up to you uh, and I said to you, hey, Mark, therefore you should give me $100. Don't, yeah, he's going to do it. I really shouldn't stop him. I really should let him see if he'll follow through because I could use some cash right now. Um, so if I said to you, therefore, Mark, I need you to give me 100 Mark's going to want us to know, okay, therefore what? I mean, what do you mean, therefore? You're saying, therefore, give me the argument before you tell me what to do. Because Jesus here says, hey, therefore, do not worry. So it's kind of important to back up a little bit and kind of see why he's saying, therefore. And really, that's going to reveal and put a whole new light on this text of Scripture because it shows something very important. So with your Bible in hand, let's jump back to verse number 24. Verse 25 says, therefore, don't worry. So what do you mean by therefore, Jesus? Verse 24 says this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, uh, the ESV translates that, translates that, that word money. In uh, some of your translations, it's mammon, and the real idea is material possessions. So uh, Jesus is saying, hey, you can't love, serve, be devoted to God and your stuff. Look at the words he uses. Serve, devoted to, love. Those are words we use for worship. So write this down. My worry problem is a worship problem. My worry problem is a worship problem. What do you love? What are you devoted to? Now, I'm not talking about on a Sunday morning. I mean, listen, we come to church, and it's really easy in this room to be devoted to God and to serve God and to love God and to sing our hearts out to God. I'm talking about tomorrow, right? I'm talking about last Thursday. What did you love? What did you serve? What were you devoted to? Paul Tripp has an excellent definition on worship that I've kind of compiled together in his book, um, instruments in the redeemer's hands and he says this worship is the central love that commands our allegiance and directs our behavior i want to read that again i want you to pack this in your mind worship is the central love that commands our allegiance and directs our behavior it's the motivational core of our life it's where we draw our meaning and our purpose so think back to your past week what Gave you meaning and purpose. What did you love more than anything else? It's going to be God or it's going to be something else. It must be God. In fact, Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5 say, says this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or is that in the earth beneath or that is under, uh, in the water or under the earth. You shall not bow down and serve them, see the same word used, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. We are worshipers. In our very nature, we're worshipers. How many of you have ever been to a Colts game? Put your hand up high. 
Great. Now, don't get nervous, okay? I'm not going to wreck your football. I know it's coming up, so I wouldn't do that. Uh, just imagine that you were transported back from the Middle Ages and you landed in the middle of a Colts game, and there are these dudes painted head to toe blue, screaming at the top of their lungs. You would say, this is one strange worship service. They're devoted to something. They're passionate about something. They've given themselves to something. They're motivated by something. And by our very nature, you and I are worshipers. What are we? We're, what are we? We are we're worshipers. We're worshipers. In fact, right now, Pastor James is uh, on the Vertical Church Tour. He's coming to Indianapolis. You guys signed up for that yet? And uh, he's going to talk about this idea of a vertical church. And uh, one of the chapters in his book, Vertical Church, is called The Universal Longing. Do you know that the book of Ecclesiastes says that all of us have eternity in our hearts? There's a longing for something more in the heart of all of us. Your neighbor, who is an atheist, really has in his heart a longing for something more. And Romans tells us that they suppress that truth and unrighteousness. He knows he wants something more, and your atheist neighbor may be living for his own intellect, his own reasoning, his own intelligence. He's worshiping himself, but make no doubt, he's worshiping, and you and I are worshipers. We all have this longing in our heart for something beyond ourselves, and we try to fill it. And when we're here on a Sunday morning, it's easy to have that filled with the love and the passion of Jesus. But how about tomorrow? You see, our hearts are desperately sick. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 reveals that to us. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And our hearts just quickly navigate and fall into the love and devotion of other things. What things? Well, things like my own security. It's easy for me to worship wanting to feel secure. Or my own comfort. How many of us love to be comfortable? Or our own pleasure. They're making TVs just massive nowadays. You know that? 255-inch tele- This is my TV in my home right here. This is it. So I can watch the game. I want to see Peyton Manning's shoelaces. Well, I did. Now I don't care if they're tight or not. They can be loose. He can trip. I thought I'd find some support for that here in India. I mean, come on. I see your devotion goes deep. That's okay. That's good. Security, comfort, pleasure, stature. Now, is it wrong to want to be secure? No, it's not. Is it wrong to want some comfort? No. Is it wrong to want to be entertained? No, nothing is wrong at all to want to be entertained. But here's the deal. Where are you going to find your security, your comfort, your pleasure, stature, where are you looking to find that? If it is in stuff and not God, we are going to be worried, worriers. We're going to be fearful because our stuff can never bring us what we want it to bring. Tracking with me? If my job is my source of security, Bro, I can lose that tomorrow. And if my marriage is my source of acceptance, I am putting a burden on my wife she can't possibly bear because I am not acceptable. (laughs) I'm a sinner. You tracking? When we put our 
look for those things and things that can never fulfill. And so what we do is when we see those structures of where we're trying to find our security and comfort and peace begin to crumble, we begin to worry to fear and anxiety. I want you to see where Jesus goes next on this. Take a look again at 25, because here's the deal. Um, watch this with me. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will uh, eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now watch what he says. There is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Let me help you out with this. Um, if we begin to put the weight of our life on these things, we're going to live a life of worry. If you find your purpose and your meaning, your security and your comfort and your job or your marriage or your relationships, you're going to worry. Those things are unstable. And though the stories are exaggerated, um, to some degree it still remains true that when the stock market crashed back in 1929, there was a, a great many people who took their lives. Why? All their hope, all their security, all their identity were lost in a day when they had simply nothing else to live for. Those things are a weak foundation, a weak structure. We have to be very careful about what we're, we're putting our weight on. So let me ask you this question. Okay, let me remind you, I love you. I'm a pastor. I love uh, pastoring. I love shepherding people. And so your pastors love you, but I have to ask questions that help you dig down into your heart because I love you. Let me ask you this. What are you worried about? What consumes life? What is it? And what does it say about where we're really worshiping, where we're really finding our sense of meaning and acceptance. Here's the deal. Since our hearts are wicked, we need help getting to the bottom of our hearts. So let's say this. Uh, first of all, we said that my worry problem is a worship problem. Well, write this down. My purpose for living really reveals my worship. My purpose reveals my worship. Let's take a careful look at what Jesus had to say here. He asked this question in verse number 25. He says, um, is not life more than food or the body more than drink? Now, that's what we call a rhetorical question. It has an obvious answer. But just for the sake of our teaching time today, let me ask you the question, and I want you to give me the answer. So here's the question. Is not life more than food? Okay, let's try that again. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? Okay, then what is it for? What is it for? Why are you living your life? Can I get your eyeballs right here for a moment? Um, this is a, a very important question. I don't care if you've been saved just for two days or you've been saved for 20 years. I need to ask you, what are you living your life for? Because that reveals where you really really worship. Did you know you're created for a purpose and a reason? God has created you for something. 
kind of important to know, right? If God's the creator of all things, what did he create me to do? What was I made to do? Well, let me give you the answer. This is Isaiah 43, uh, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read a part of this, and we'll read some of it together. But this is what uh, the Lord says. I will say to the north, give up, to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, read this with me, please, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You were created for the glory of God. That's the reason why there's breath in your lungs this morning and your pancreas is working uh, to bring God honor and glory. And Peter reveals in 1 Peter what that means is to proclaim his excellencies so that people will look at your life and they'll see how great God is for how you're living your life. That's why God created you, to live and to show forth his excellencies. So it's Mark, right? Mark, God created you to show the world how great Jesus is. I'm assuming this is your wife next to you. That's great. Um, Mark, your wife needs to see the greatness of God in you. Your coworkers need to see just who God is in you. Now listen, and this, this hurts me to say it because I've struggled with fear and worry like I shared with you, but what does fear and worry say about what we really believe about our God? Do you see how that flies in the face of bringing God glory? If we're to shine forth his excellency, show the world who God is, and yet we're fearful and we're worried, then what do we really believe about God? then what are we living for that we're worried? If he's promised to take care of us and we're not really believing that, we're living for something else. And the purpose, the direction of your life reveals your worship. So we can say, it's very easy to say at a Sunday morning, we worship God. But think back this past week. I want you to think back to last Monday. What gave you purpose and meaning in life? What were you living your life for? What were you seeking to accomplish in life? How about Tuesday? How about Thursday? What are you living for? If we truly worship God, if he is the central love that commands our allegiance and directs our behavior, if he is the motivational core of our lives, if we draw our meaning and our purpose from him, shouldn't that determine the direction and the purpose of our life? We really live for it day by day should reflect that. So let me help you with that. Have you ever found yourself uttering this phrase, if only? If only blank. Take a moment in your own mind and heart and be honest. How would you finish that phrase? If only blank, and then I would be really satisfied. If only what? If only I had a little more money. Can I get a witness? By the way, Mark, I'm right up here. If you were serious about that $100, just meet me right up there at the end of the service. If only that relationship would be healed. If only my kids would be safe. How do you fill the blank in? The man who uh, says, if only I could just get promoted to that higher position, will then orient his life to achieve that goal. He's going to work long hours and maybe even neglect his family all for the purpose 
of getting that promotion, for getting that higher status. He'll make choices to, to achieve that. And in the end, his purpose, that higher job or whatever, is revealing his worship. Now, I'm not saying that ambition is wrong. I'm not saying that this will sin to get something or sin when we don't get it. That reveals idolatry in our hearts. So what is that man living for? Where's his worship? The mom who is driven by security and peace might at times worship that idol. She'll orient her life accordingly. Man, we've got to make so much money. Got to make sure the kids are safe. Got to do this. Got to do that. House has to be just right. I have to have my security. I have to have that control. I have to get up on those things. And then when that unexpected bill comes, when the security is robbed, she'll fall into worry. And look, I'm not trying to set ourselves apart from that. We live life. We know what that feels like. And I can't tell you a time when an unexpected bill came and I went, glory, praise Jesus. same time it reveals something in us and we got to battle don't we we got to make war against our worry we got to be urgent about it we can't just say oh i'm gonna have to pay a bill we got to fight it what am i worshiping what do i really want that is being taken away from me in life let me help you with these three things we're gonna write these three things down to really help us get down to the root of our worry here are three things we can do first of all do this state it state it and, and here's what i mean by state it um, say it out loud. I'm worried that I'm going to lose my job. I'm worried the kids aren't going to be safe. I mean, just say what you're worried about. And maybe even do this. Write it down. Put it pen to paper. Get it black and white. Or here's a challenge for you. Ask your spouse, what do I worry about? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I'm telling you, if you're worried about something, you're going to be talking about it. Maybe you don't even know, but your spouse knows exactly what you're worried about. State it. Then do this. Question it. Why am I worried about this? What is it I'm really concerned about? And question that worry. Kind of dig down deep into it. And eventually, you're going to be able to identify exactly what it is. Let me share with you my story. And how I uh, went through this. I was really struggling with the fear of, uh, fear of planting a church. We had nobody. And going to an area where they had to just gather together, and I just shared all that with you, give, and I was really worried about it and struggling with worry. And so I just began to say, okay, what is it, Daniel? What are you worried about? Say it out loud. Well, I'm worried that I'm not going to find the people to plant this church. I'm worried that I'm not going to have the finances to plant this church. I'm worried. Well, why are you worried about that? Well, I just don't want to fail at this. I really don't want to fail at this. Well, why don't you want to fail at this? Well, if I fail at this, everybody's going to know that I failed at this. I'm going to be an utter failure to the whole world. Rick Donald is going to know. Doug Helmer is going to know. James McDonald is going to know if I fail at this. Well, so that's what it is. You're worried about what people think of you. You're worried about the fear of man. Transparency, right? It's okay. I had to admit 
worshiping at the idol of the fear of man. It's dangerous. The Word of God has some things to say about that, like Galatians 1.10, rocks my world. Am I now trying to please God or man? Am I still trying to... Um, am I, butchering up the verse now in front of everybody and have to say it by memory. If you try being a pastor and memorizing scripture and standing up and saying it off the cuff, um, but the verse says, if I'm still trying to please man, I cannot be a servant of Christ. Wow. Challenging. State it, question it, identify it. Know exactly what you're worried about. Now, here's the deal. I spent hours, literally hours, worrying about things I didn't need to worry about. But you know what? All along the way, God had it covered. And we got to Fort Wayne, and we started working at this church there. And God blessed us with some great people. Here's a shot of the core team. This is a couple weeks old now. In fact, it's Quite a bit larger than this now. Uh, God's really blessed us with a good team. Uh, these are people I love dearly, people who are talented, people who are great. We have now currently over 80 people on our core team, uh, dedicated people ready to launch the church. And we're just thrilled by all that God has done. And every moment spent worrying was a wasted moment. We have to understand the source of our worry. It's a worship issue, and our purpose shows us that. Would you write this down as well? Not only do we, I have to understand the source of our worry, we have to understand the solution to our worry, the solution of our worry, I should say. Now, look, I'm not making this stuff up. We're going right from the Word of God here. I didn't sit in my office and say, hmm, I wonder what three things would be. It's right from the text. Let's go where Jesus went. Look to verse 26, if you would, please. Let's see what the solution to my worry. So I'm worrying. I've identified what it is. So how do I get over the worry and through it? Here's what you do. Write this down first. Know God. Know God. You have to know your God. This is where Jesus goes in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Now watch what he says. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Hey, who feeds the birds? God feeds the birds. Our God feeds the birds. And Jesus preaching says, don't worry. Don't worry. Your God is so good and so mighty and so powerful and so involved with his creation that he is sure even the birds are fed. Your God feeds the birds. As we were struggling with this worry issue, God was good to us and uh, allowed this to happen. This is an actual picture of a very grainy. I took it through a screen. Forgive me, I'm not a photographer. I'm a pastor. But uh, we took this picture of this little family of birds that lived right out our window. And uh, this mama bird, we watched her uh, hatch these eggs, and then we watched her sit on these eggs, and we watched these little chicks come out and saw the whole thing happen in front of our eyes. And and uh, we were worried, oh, is she going to find food? And do you know she found food for her babies every day? Remember back to this spring how there's some really warm days, and then it kind of tanked, got really cold a little bit? We got real concerned about these birds. Are they going to be all right? Maybe we should bring them in and keep them warm. Bad idea. Don't do that. We didn't. We were smart enough not to. But um, every day those birds found food and warm Hey, who did that? Who fed those birds? That bird, as 
much as it shows the glory of God, because I believe it does, all creation does, that bird can tell no one about Jesus Christ. You understand that? It cannot preach the gospel. You can preach the gospel. We can bring God more glory as we tell the story of his son and what he's done for us. That's why we're of more value than that. We have the gospel to tell. God cares for that bird as we care for us. Get to know your God. Do you? Do you really believe that? Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Here's my concern, and I mean this. As a pastor, as someone who loves you, I'm concerned about this because there's an enemy who is whispering lies into your ear constantly, telling you God cannot be trusted, God does not love you, God is not strong enough, or whatever the lie is. And uh, that's what he did to Eve in the garden, right? The serpent came up and whispered in her ear and where men tend to struggle with lust, this is a common struggle for ladies when it comes to worry and fear and struggle. And I believe Satan, just like he did with Eve, is in your ear this morning. A lot of you, he's whispering, I can't believe you. There's no way you love your God. Do you know your God? I want to remind you of how much he loves you. Your God loves you. You know, the Bible says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us. Do you know how vast the universe is? It's a huge, expansive, immeasurable space that's out there. And as high as the heavens are, the universe is above us, so great is his love for us. So great is God's love for you. For you. You have to know your God. Secondly, write this down. You have to trust your God. And Jesus does this in the text. He kind of rebukes him a little bit. And he says, oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Where's your faith? Do you really trust your God? Do you know who he is? And do you believe he is who he says he is? And that he will do what he says he will do? You have got to trust your God. Put your faith in him. It is vital that you trust him. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now watch. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And you probably had some stuff happen in your life where you've been like, God, I, I sought you. I prayed to you. I read your word. And things didn't go the way I thought they should go. We were sitting in the hospital with our first child who died and my wife Ian. I was studying to be in the ministry. Come on, God. This stuff isn't supposed to happen to those who walk with you. <laughs> Bad theology. didn't go the way you thought they should. Right now, your struggle is over. Know your God. 
Don't doubt him. Doubt is serious. This is what Pastor James had to say about doubt. Doubt is to your soul what cancer is to your body. Doubt is to your soul what foreclosure is to your mortgage. Doubt is to your soul what infidelity is to your marriage. Listen, it kills, it cancels, it destroys. That's what doubt does. Trust your God. But then lastly, do this. Pursue your God. And this is really the answer that Jesus gave. Look at the structure of the text. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry, basically. So therefore, do not do this. Look at verse 33, but do this. So don't worry, but do this. Do what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. What are you orienting your life to pursue? If it is the stuff, the security, the comfort, the pleasure, the stature, if that's what you're pursuing, don't pursue that. That leads to worry. Instead, pursue your God. What it means to really shine forth his excellencies and to be pleasing to him. Pursue your God, his kingdom, righteous living under it. That's what we're to orient our heart toward. Because, listen to me now, when we have the biggest burden of all, the burden of our sin, Jesus came and died on the cross for my sin. And I was able to take my sin burden, and it was so heavy. I'm such a vile sinner. The more I discover about my sin, the more vile I find I am. But I can take all of that sin and lay it at the feet of my Savior, Jesus, who died for it all. Are you with me this morning, Harvest and West? Jesus is the answer. And because he took my sin and I am set free today, and I can live a joyful life in him, and I want him more than anything, and I want to run after him, and I want to pursue him with passion more than anything. I want to challenge you this morning. If you're burdened down with worry, go back to the cross. Remember what Christ has Shed the burden of that worry and run after God. Because here's the deal. I can live pleasing to him even if my financial world crumbles. I can still do that. I can still live for Jesus. I can live pleasing to him if my relational world crumbles. My work world, all of it, I can still live in a way that brings him glory. And that needs to become our sole heart desire. If only that pleases our God. Maybe you're here this morning. You're hurting. There are people that are going to be up front after the service today that would love to just help you take that burden off your shoulders. Would you come today? Look, you can't do it alone. When I was in the Army, I was infantry, and uh, my pack weighed over 100 pounds because they hated me, and uh, didn't mean seriously. Uh, so, but I'd often have to have my buddies help me pull off that pack. And, and I couldn't do it alone. It hurt myself. So maybe you just can't take that pack off alone. Come to the front. Pray with someone. Help them help you walk through worry. Do it as a church together.
I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to ask God to do that in you. Let's bow together and pray. Father, I just want to lift up the folks that are here, many of them who are burdened down with struggles and difficulties, serious things, Father. I just want to lift them up to you. Lord, I want to pray that they would really be honest with themselves and get down to the source of their worry. And then, Father, they would know more about you. They would trust you more fully. But mostly, Father, they would set the direction of their lives to be pleasing to you and that above all else. Do that in their hearts, Father, because you gave your son for us. Help us to live our life for him. In his name we pray.